We've done this before. We've got an update, but it's been a while. So it's time to check back in and find out what's going on in Nova Scotia as the inquiry into that province's mass shooting continues. And the, the, the things we hear um, time and time again are not great. They're not all that reassuring. Really some, some ups and downs, not only on the inquiry itself, um, but of course, what happened on over the course of what I guess was two days. But um, yeah, I mean, just more and more discussion about what police are allowed to do as far as the inquiry goes. And um, now there's reports that, you know, the communication between police was awful. So let's get the latest. We're going to check in with Greg Mercer, who is the Atlantic Canada reporter with the Globe and Mail. Greg, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. You know, has this inquiry, has it sort of, because there's been times where it's really brought, not, I mean, not even the incident, but just the inquiry itself has really been called into question. Has it sort of found its footing? Are we getting anywhere with this, do you think? Well, I think there's still a lot of anger. Um, there's no question. I mean, I mean, just a week ago, there were there were people boycotting it and, and telling their lawyers not to participate. Uh, this week, some of those people have come back because they want to hear from some key RCMP officials, um, particularly around uh, mistakes that were made in informing the public during this yeah. mass shooting, which let's not forget, this was the worst we've ever seen in this country. 22 people dead. Um, and so just a lot of hard questions about how the police uh, did and did not in- inform the public. Um, okay, so when we, let's break those two apart. We'll get into the inquiry itself, in a, or, or the incident itself in just a moment, and the questions around it, but the inquiry, why were, why were they walking away? What was the problem? What were they upset about? And what was the, the resolution? So they were upset that three senior uh, RCMP members were given uh, special accommodations under this mandate to be trauma-informed. In other words, the inquiry put a, prior- a priority on protecting people's mental health. It didn't want to re-traumatize anyone as a, as a result of you know, giving testimony that was difficult. So they allowed uh, two of, of those three officers to avoid cross-examination. They were, they were uh, interviewed in advance, uh, you know, and, and that was shared by video. There was no sort of public forum. You know, lawyers for the families could not question these officers. Uh, a third one was able to uh, give testimony from home um, and was able to take breaks whenever he wanted. Um, and, and some of the families who, of people who were killed in this attack say, this is not what we asked for when we wanted this inquiry. We wanted the right to ask difficult questions, to be able to press them on things. I mean, these are the people who made key decisions throughout this manhunt, and they the families feel that they ought to have been uh, held to uh, a higher standard than, than what uh, what we saw. So now they're back. To, the inquiry continues. Um, and as you say, some of the questions around how this unfolded, and I think a lot of people, you know, we need to remind people this happened over a long period of time. It's not like an incident. So as you mentioned, the, the, what they knew, when they knew it, and what they told the public really seems to have a lot of people very concerned. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this this uh, attack was spread over 13 hours, and and at one point the gunman escaped police, and he went on the run and drove around rural Nova Scotia and continued to kill another nine people uh, on the second day of the attack. So there's a lot of questions around how much information police had about who was doing this. We now know uh, through this inquiry that they knew within minutes of the attack they knew the gunman's name. They had multiple people tell them uh, in 911 calls that he was driving an identical-looking police car. For, for, for multiple reasons, that was not shared with the public for many hours. Uh, and even once, we, we learned this week, once they had a picture of the fake patrol car yeah. that this gunman had made, they didn't share that for another three hours. 
And, and people are just saying, how can this be? This is critical information in the middle of a live manhunt with someone who's heavily armed murdering people at the side of the road. How could you not share that information? And the response from RCMP is we didn't share it because we feel that would have put us at risk, right? They say it would have caused more problems for police. That is one of the things that came out uh, today, yes. So one of the senior communications officials for the RCMP in Nova Scotia said she was concerned about uh, vigilantism, that people would take their own protection into their own hands and would begin, you know, shooting at, at, at random uh, RCMP vehicles. That was a concern that she had and other officers had. Uh, it doesn't fully explain, however, a lot of the mistakes and a lot of the miscues and just delays Mm-hmm. in getting um, the message out to the public once they decided we are going to tell people what he's driving, we are going to share this photo. It was still a long delay to get these messages approved before they were they were sent out on social media. Uh, and those are things that families say this is simply unacceptable. And also some talk about the fact that RCMP advising each other what they knew and letting people involved in different aspects of the investigation and trying to deal with the situation. They didn't even have all the information. They weren't communicating that properly. No, I mean, it, it just, just a, a complete mess of communication. Yeah. That's one of the things that this inquiry has exposed is just how poorly organized the, the response was. At, at many points, we, it wasn't clear who was in charge. At one point, there was an officer who, you know, an hour earlier had said, I've been drinking. I've had four or five rum drinks. I should not be involved in this response. He has suddenly inserted himself into the police response, and he's directing officers. Uh, and then there were other officers coming in and contradicting him. And uh, for the, the, the frontline Mounties, the people who, who were the first people there, this was very confusing to, to figure out who should we listen to, who should we not listen to, who's actually in charge. This has been going on for a long time. What's the timeline here? And you know, it just seems to be getting worse and worse, uh, Greg. You know, what's, how long was this going to play out, do you think, in terms of this inquiry? What's the timeline? So we're, we still have several months of uh, testimony, wow. of, of reports, of evidence to come out. You're right, there's a, it's been going on for, for several months already, uh, but there's a lot left to, uh, to be heard. The timeline is that in November, this inquiry is supposed to produce a report that's going to give recommendations to government on how to prevent this kind of thing in the future. And that could include, um, you know, changes to training for the RCMP around how they respond to mass shootings. Well, hopefully. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right, is is to come up with a way to make sure that whatever's gone wrong this time around, and it seems a law has, uh, those mistakes aren't repeated. Greg, uh, thanks so much for the update. We'll do this again. Sounds good. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. That is Greg Mercer. Greg is the Atlantic Canada reporter for Globe and Mail covering this situation. And I mean, the the information that's been coming out of this inquiry from the entire, well, right from the start, really, uh, has just been really very concerning. This week, um, we've learned that it was RCMP miscues, largely, that led to uh, a big delay in warning the public that the killer involved in this incident had himself a replica RCMP vehicle, and that's what he was driving around the province as he was carrying out his rampage. Um, and that wasn't that information wasn't passed along to the public. They weren't told that um, this guy was driving what looked to be a marked RCMP patrol car. Um, they didn't issue that description to the public. And then, as you heard Graham say, um, 
Part of the reasoning for that was announced in court this morning that RCMP, or part in the inquiry this morning, RCMP saying they were concerned that if they did go ahead and issue that alert, uh, it would only have led to more dead police. There's a transcript of an interview with a senior Nova Scotia RCMP official, Leah Scanlon, um, who says in this interview that uh, in rural places like Porta Peak, Nova Scotia, where the killing started, people handle bleep themselves, adding that had the public known the shooter was dressed as an RCMP officer, that information would have put RCMP members in harm's way because they would have handled it themselves. So it's, it's troubling as we learn more and more about this situation.